0: A new day Hear His word us pray The morning show. And a way to start
1: your day.
2: It is Monday, the 11th of September. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you shield us from harm. Teach us to protect goodness in ourselves and in others. You guard us against stumbling and help us against falling. Strengthen our reliance on you in every temptation. You are the shelter of all who are in need. Make us a shelter to all who call upon our help. O God of glory, you are our shelter against the burning heat of the day and the storms of life. Help us when we stumble. Catch us when we fall and guide our steps firmly in faith toward the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Monday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show, here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It is September 11th, which is not just a date on the calendar, but an anniversary of those attacks that occurred in Washington, um, the plane that crashed in Pennsylvania, the attacks. Of course, on the World Trade Centers as well. So we're remembering all those things today. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. will also check in uh, with Kevin Schmeezing, Get a look at this week in Catholic history. Uh, we'll talk to Father Philip LeRae, who is our AI correspondent, as it were, joining us from Rome. Father John Gavin will discuss the Catechism and what it has to say about Christ as the head of the Church. And then Father Patrick Briscoe is going to talk seminary formation with us. Of course, he is publisher for Our Sunday Visitor. So stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news.
3: Good morning. Pope Francis has offered his prayers as rescue efforts are ongoing in Morocco, days after a magnitude 6.8 earthquake rocked the North African country. More than 21 people, are 2,100 people are confirmed dead, and the death toll is expected to continue to rise. Thousands were injured as the quake was the strongest to hit the nation in more than a century. Morocco's King Mohammed VI ordered mosques nationwide to hold funeral prayers Sunday. Offers of assistance have been pouring in from around the world, including from the U.S. During his Angelus address, Pope Francis said he was close to the dear Moroccan people. He said, I thank the rescue workers and those who are seeking to alleviate people's suffering Saying, may the concrete aid of everyone sustain the people in this tragic moment. End quote. The Holy Father also, during his Angeles address, sent his prayers to those suffering from a cyclone that hit Brazil last week, leaving thousands homeless. Meanwhile, Hurricane Lee is growing larger. Mark Mayfield reports.
4: The National Hurricane Center says the Category 3 storm has maximum sustained winds of roughly 120 miles per hour as it moves northwest. Hazardous beach conditions are expected to spread throughout the western Atlantic during the week. The system could bring life-threatening surf and rip current conditions along much of the east coast. There are no coastal watches or warnings in effect as of late Sunday night. I'm Mark Mayfield.
3: Today is the 22nd anniversary of the 9-11 terror attacks. Families who lost loved ones that day will be gathering at the World Trade Center Memorial in Manhattan during a ceremony names of the nearly 23 or the, the nearly 3,000 victims will be read aloud, along with the tolling of bells and moments of silence. President Biden, for his part, will be marking the somber occasion in Alaska on his return home from the G20 summit in India and a visit to Vietnam yesterday. The president will meet with first responders and military mem- members at a base in Anchorage. For the first time ever, an entire family was beatified together this weekend. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Luboff
5: reports. The Ulma family, whose beatification took place Sunday, has become a symbol of Poles who rescued Jews during World War II, according to Archbishop Stanislaw Gadecki. In an interview with Vatican Radio, the president of the Polish Bishops' Conference shared his thoughts on how the beatification strengthens Catholic-Jewish relations. Archbishop Gadecki explains that the Ulma family was executed by Nazi Germans on the 24th of March, 1944, for harboring Jews. Two parents and seven children were murdered, he said. This tragic event is now unprecedented in the history of the Church, since it is the first time an entire family is being beatified together. Discussing the significance of the Alma's beatification, Archbishop Gadecki highlighted the theme of human solidarity, emphasizing the willingness to help others, even when it involves risking our own lives. The president of the Polish bishops stressed that the Almas were aware of the risks that they were taking by hiding Jews. This family, he said, must have realized that even though they lived at some distance from the village, they put themselves in great danger from the Germans by sheltering several people in the attic of their home. The Archbishop said that the Elma children did not fully understand the situation and may have accidentally told the wrong people. The need to make larger food purchases at the store may have also drawn the interest of outsiders. He pointed out that other families also assisted, resulting in 21 survivors in the village, highlighting the solidarity of the community. Archbishop Gadecki noted that the Alma's actions were rooted in their Christian love. Their actions also confirm, he said, their respect for every life from conception to natural death. They knew that every life must be protected and they made at ultimate sacrifice for it. I'm Deborah Kessel, Kessilana-Lubov.
3: Novak Djokovic is adding to his historic Grand Slam trophy case. Djokovic took down third-seeded Daniil Medvedev in straight sets yesterday at the 2023 US Open final. The 36-year-old Djokovic has now have has now won 24 Grand Slam titles, four of which have come at the US Open. And there were several upsets and huge victories highlighted in the first Sunday of the NFL season. The action kicked off in the afternoon. When the Browns suffocated the Bengals 24-3 in Cleveland, the Buccaneers earned an impressive 20-17 road win over the Vikings. Meanwhile, a pair of road blowouts took place when the 49ers walked into Pittsburgh and gutted the Steelers 30-7 when the Packers rolled into Chicago and beat their NFC North rival Bears 38-20. The day was capped off with the biggest blowout of the season so far. (laughs) <laughs> the Cowboys embarrassed the New York Giants, forty to nothing, in Sunday night football in East Rutherford. Dallas's Big D combined for seven sacks, two interceptions, and a pair of
2: touchdowns. Wow!
3: Quite a weekend in Did the NFL. Did you watch any of that? Um, which game of those do you think I watched?
2: Um, Bengals and Browns, I suppose. Yes, yes. I had uh, we had a cross country meet. Oh, it's, um, I didn't some,
3: know Zeke was running cross country.
2: He cool is. so uh so, so i you, missed that i'm out didn't... of market anyway for for my own favorite team uh but
3: it was uh it was hard to watch i'm not it, gonna it was, lie it
2: was, it was hard to follow on the little GameCast app so i can only imagine how hard it was to watch yeah it was yeah i did uh i did watch some GameCast of dolphins chargers which was a rough week for uh for chargers fans
6: mm-hmm.
2: um with uh tua and the gang and tyreek hill coming back and Putting them away at the last minute. You know, I feel like week one it feels like preseason, Anna Mitchell. It really does.
3: Well, definitely for us Bengals fans, first time we saw Joe Burrow. So Well
2: Well also not the first, but there's this like none of the starters play in the preseason. It's not like spring training where sometimes you have split squads, you know, so that everybody can play and you can get a look at everybody. In the NFL, like you don't even get a look at anybody. No. It's like nobody's even started playing. I don't know. Everybody's, NFL's you know, weird.
3: they're kicking the rust off,
2: you know. They're like, oh, we've been just doing fantasy drafts all season. <laughs> like, nobody knows, nobody knows anything about anything. NFL's weird. Yeah. I enjoy it, but it's weird. I get it. And baseball still happening. Yeah. Just to put that out there. It is nine minutes past the hour. Thank you for joining us on this Monday, September the 11th. Let's take a look at this week in Catholic history, and here to do that with us is Kevin Schmezing. You can find his book, A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So we have a couple of pretty intense pieces of history to look at today. Let's start in Louisiana.
7: Yeah, that's right. This is an interesting group of potential saints, I guess you'd call them, five priests, who died over the course of three weeks, all of them, while ministering to victims of a yellow fever epidemic. So they're advancing through the sainthood process together. They're collectively known as the Shreveport Martyrs, and the first of them died this week back in 1873. Matt, you and I have talked many times about the colony of Louisiana, which being French, then Spanish, then French again, was a center of Catholicism in North America. That entire region became part of the United States in 1803. New Orleans was the hub of activity, Catholic and otherwise, but northern Louisiana also developed in the antebellum period, and in 1853, the Diocese of Natchitoches, which is today the Dioceses of Shreveport and Alexandria, was established. The first bishop there was French, so he canvassed his native country for priests to serve the new diocese, and that's when these five came over. Father Jean-Pierre became the founding pastor of Holy Trinity Parish in Shreveport. He was joined there in early 1873 by Father Isidore Camere, who had been working elsewhere in the diocese since his ordination a few years earlier. Father Jean-Marie Billy was the chaplain at the convent of the Daughters of the Cross a few miles outside Shreveport. Father Louis Girgo was the founding pastor of St. Matthew Parish in Monroe. He had a special concern for enslaved and free blacks, and he's been compared to St. Peter Claver. Father Francois Levasseur established the first church in Manny, Louisiana, which is today the parish of St. John the Baptist. So those are the five. Yellow fever was a fearsome disease in the 19th century. It was a constant threat in South Louisiana, and there was a devastating outbreak in New Orleans in 1853. In late August 1873, it struck further north in Shreveport. It would end up taking the lives of about one in four residents over the next three months. All five priests threw themselves into service, bringing comfort and the sacraments to those in quarantine. Father Camaray, the associate at the Shreveport Parish, was the first to come. He died this week, September 15th in 1873. His pastor, Father Pierre, died the following day. They had already sent word to nearby priests begging for help. The others came quickly. When Father Gugot mounted his horse to race toward Shreveport, he told his vicar, Write to the bishop and tell him I go to my death. It is my duty, and I go. Father Bealey, the convent chaplain, died September 26, Father Gugot, October 1st, and Father Lavoisier, one week later. Their cause for sainthood was introduced in 2020 by the Diocese of Shreveport, so they are servants of God, the martyrs of Shreveport, remembering them from this week 150 years ago.
2: Well, I would like to say that after a story that intense, we get a bit of a break on the next one, but we absolutely do not, and uh, this one involves someone with whom some of our listeners may be familiar. Yeah,
7: maybe so, and and you're right, Matt, we're continuing the theme, Heroic Priests on the Path to Canonization, Uh, this one from the other side of the globe. I was prompted to do this by a recent news story about the Vatican reestablishing diplomatic relations with Vietnam. Probably Vietnam's most famous Catholic of the last 50 years would be Cardinal Nguyen Van Thuan, and he died this week in 2002. Vietnam was a French colony, so it had been partially evangelized prior to the strife that erupted in the second half of the 20th century, which resulted in communist revolution, the split between North and South, the controversial involvement of the United States, and ultimately the communist takeover and reunification of the country in the 1970s. Nguyen Van Tuan had been born in 1928. He entered the seminary and was ordained a priest in 1953. He studied in Rome for a while and then was appointed rector of the seminary in Hue in central Vietnam. He was named Bishop of Nha Trong in 1967 and then coadjutor Bishop of Saigon, the capital city, in 1975. Just a few days later, the North Vietnamese Army took the city. Van Tuan, as a Catholic and also a relative of the president of South Vietnam, was immediately arrested. He spent the next 13 years in prison, much of that time in solitary confinement. During his imprisonment, sympathetic guards helped him smuggle out scraps of paper, on which were notes of encouragement to the people of Vietnam. They were later collected and published as a book, The Road of Hope. He was also able to make a tiny wooden cross, which he hung with a piece of electrical wire. This he later fashioned into a pectoral cross, which he wore for the rest of his life. In 1988, he was released from prison and three years later was permitted to go to Rome, but never to return to his native country. Pope John Paul II appointed him president of the Pontifical Council for Justice and Peace in 1994, made him a cardinal in 2001. He died a year later. It was this week, September 16, 2002. His cause was introduced in 2007, and in 2017, Pope Francis issued the decree of heroic virtue. So he is Venerable Nguyen Van Twan. He died this week in 2002. Well,
2: Cardinal Van Twan and the Martyrs of Shreveport, since you're in process, I don't feel bad about saying pray for us. <laughs> it's a pretty, Amen. A couple of extraordinary stories there this week in Catholic history. Of course, Kevin schmizing you're the author of A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History. We've got it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you as always. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Matt. All right, let's check on weather for the nation. A cold front, which is going going to be affecting from Michigan to northern Texas, is a big cold front, Uh, it's going to pack plenty of soaking downpours and thunderstorms. A cluster or line or two of potentially strong thunderstorms could move across west Texas during the afternoon and evening. Another system will deliver downpours and thunderstorms to parts of the I-95 corridor from northeast Maryland to eastern Maine, especially during the afternoon and evening. Florida to the eastern Carolinas could contend with some sea breeze-driven downpours and thunderstorms. Showers and thunderstorms also percolating from central and northern Nevada into southern Utah and along and west of the Rocky Front Range. Eastern Dakotas to Minnesota Arrowhead will see rain today as well. Much of the west coast, however, and parts of the central plains and gulf coast into the Tennessee and Ohio Valleys will have a sun-soaked Monday. So rain for most of you, sun for a few of you. Got headlines with Hannah Mitchell coming up next. It's a quarter past.
8: The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage, sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation, will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, Resuscitation of the Rosary, a Fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and Mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org.
9: The
2: kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from.
3: And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, SONRISEMORNINGSHOW.COM, we earn a commission on whatever you buy.
2: You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store
3: and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at SUNRISEMORNINGSHOW.COM.
8: EWTN is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. If your cable or satellite provider doesn't carry EWTN's full programming lineup, give them a call and let them know you would like to receive EWTN 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.
10: For more information, go to EWTN.com and click on television.
2: 17 minutes past the hour, here's Anno with Headlines.
3: Pope Francis has offered his prayers as rescue efforts are ongoing in Morocco days after a devastating earthquake rocked the country. Today is the 22nd anniversary of the 9-11 terror attacks and families who lost loved ones that day are gathering again at the World Trade Center Memorial in Manhattan. And for the first time ever, an entire family was beatified together this weekend.
2: Pretty cool. That's, yes. uh, that's hashtag squad goals.
3: I know, kids, right?
2: You say, you know, the, if we're all trying to do our best, you know, just to get kids dressed and fed. Oh, I know. But uh, a higher goal would be, what if you could get your whole family to be beatified in a single ceremony over oh a
11: weekend? Oh my gosh, for real.
3: The question is... Can they then? So it was uh, the Ulma family, so uh, the mom and dad, and then there's seven children. Will it be possible that they all get canonized together See, as a family, a or could they be canonized separately if one decides, you know, I'm going to go after this or of- that miracle and then they. Stands out
2: above the pack.
3: Or is it like, do you pray to the entire family?
2: For I imagine a people are going to be asking for the help of the entire family, unless some, some of these individual stories emerge. Because you know how it can be with—well, mm-hmm. so, I mean, a perfect example of this is the Ugandan martyrs. Yeah. It's like they have this sort of mega story of uh, extraordinary heroism in the face of, of persecution and uh, pressure to compromise morally. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for some people they are Charles Luanga and companions the Ugandan martyrs. Um, There are similar things that go on with, like, the Korean martyrs and the Vietnamese martyrs and all these martyrs of the Spanish Civil War. Right, but But then then when you're, like,
3: yeah, when you're, like, Colleen Swaim, you find St. Cazito from the Ugandan martyrs.
2: I mean, and you start to be like, whoa, this individual person's got an extraordinary story. Mm. Or there's this one little thing that's emerged Mm -hmm. from what happened uh, when they were being martyred. Or one little phrase sometimes that this person said. Yeah, uh, and, and become latch onto that life
3: changing. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I don't know. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future. I mean, I think a lot of devotion has already been um, gleaned from this Alma family. I mean, super cool, incredible story.
2: So, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Pray Louis and Zully Martin, you yeah. know, went in together. Absolutely. But Isidore the farmer and his wife separate their timing was separate
11: yeah absolutely
2: interesting well all you holy men and women pray for pray for us it's 21 past waking up with mystic monk coffee is definitely a better way to start your day not only are you getting a great cup of coffee but your purchase helps support the life of the carmelite monks of wyoming
12: And your
3: purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to SONRISEMORNINGSHOW.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission.
2: Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com.
3: That's SONRISEMORNINGSHOW.com.
12: This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com.
13: This is Father Rob Jack with Marian Thought. One of the many titles given to Mary is Gate of Heaven. This image applies to Mary in two ways. In God's divine plan, he chose a lowly maiden from Nazareth to be the portal through which the Son of God comes into the world. At the same time, Mary is the gateway that leads to life with her Son. It is true that there are many ways to Christ, but as Catholics we believe the surest way is through Mary. She is not only the gate, but the gatekeeper. She intercedes for us to her Son, that we may enter heavenly life with him. Bishop Sheen understood this image well when he wrote that when he died, the words he hoped to hear from Jesus were these, My mother has spoken well of you. As we approach the Lord, let us ask Mary to speak well of us, so that with her help we may share in God's glory. Mary, gate of heaven, pray for us. The Sunrise Morning Show continues, and with
2: all the developments in generative AI, it's always great to talk to Father Philip LeRae, who is with Humanity 2.0 and tries to think about these things from a Catholic perspective as they rapidly develop. Father, good morning.
0: Good morning, Matt. Great to be on the show again.
2: Yeah, great to have you. Uh, Now, there is going to be, or uh, I, I guess it's, I can't tell if it's happened or will happen at this point, That's my perspective on most artificial intelligence things. I can't tell if they're about to happen or if they've already happened. (laughs) But there's a summit uh, where the United States government's trying to figure out how to regulate some of this stuff and inviting leaders in the field to comment on it. I wonder if you could tell us about the summit.
0: So it's going to take place on Wednesday. And uh, behind closed doors, it's being organized by Senator Schumer, who has vowed to— uh, launch a series of forums about artificial intelligence, and he's invited the big, the big tech companies. Uh, they're, they're all, all the big shots are going to be there. And it's really what's really going to be interesting is that he managed to get Elon Musk and Sam Altman together in one room. Uh, as you know, that the, they've had their differences along the way. They were both co-founders of OpenAI, and then Elon left in 2018 and uh, sam took it over as ceo uh and here you know what's interesting matt is you have two groups of people so on the one hand you have tech people and uh you have you know engineers but also ceos the ceo of microsoft will be there the ceo of uh, google will be there etc cetera, etc cetera who don't really understand how to make laws. And then you have the other group of senators who don't really understand what artificial intelligence is about. So I think, although in the the, uh, press, the summit has been kind of looked upon negatively as if to say, oh, this is a big show. They're not going to do anything. But I think what they're trying to do is dialogue so that they can come up with a program which suits both groups, and that is not easy.
2: I would think not. Uh, you know, and you know, it's it's such an interesting thing to ponder, uh, especially if you've read uh, the church's documents on social communications and the World Communications Day messages and the the guiding principles that the church lays out for how we think about these things. Uh, right, uh, they're person centered. Uh, they must have. Uh, human dignity at the center of the conversation. They must have all this other stuff. And, you know, those questions may swirl about in these discussions, but, you know, there's going to be a lot of like, how do we protect, uh, you know, financial assets and copyrights and all kinds of that stuff is going to be in this conversation. On the other side, it's going to be much more sort of a practical conversation. And it just, it's, as you lay this out, Um, it's just a reminder how important it is for us as Catholics who kind of have this Christian understanding of the human person to be involved in these conversations when we can.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I do think they're going to touch on those kinds of issues also. Uh, There's a a group uh, that is pushing civil rights issues in terms of AI, for example, the right of the consumer, uh, the right to transparency, the right to protect your data, the right to privacy etc and that is kind of what the what Pope Francis means when he says person centered technology so I wouldn't be surprised if there is a, certainly it won't it won't be uh, explicitly Catholic right they're, they're not going to quote the papal encyclicals or Pope Francis's message for World Day of Peace in January. But I think the content is going to be very similar.
2: Yes, it'll be very fascinating to see. Although, you know, it would be great if somebody just uh, maybe in one of the post sessions had like, I don't know, like a coffee hour where somebody, you know, just did a public reading of Inter Morifica from the Second Vatican Council on Social Communications. It would be kind of a nice (laughs) sort of like happy hour, wouldn't you think? I mean, that would be great. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure somebody in Washington is uh, lurking in the, in, in the wing, so uh, that many bishops, like Bishop Barron, for example, is an expert in this field. There are others that, that we know also that, that speak out on on issues concerning AI, and this is going to be a, a, a very special moment. Wednesday, all, I think it's Wednesday and Thursday, so it's happening this week. And, uh, yeah, it would have been great to be a part of the dialogue, but I'm not a billionaire nor a senator, so uh, I'm not going to be there.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, uh, those are two graces that God has given you of being neither one of those things. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But with this, I mean, we are people who are not going to be in that room. I'm not going to be in that room. You're not going to be in that room. And unless there's something I don't know, most of our listeners are probably not going to be in that room. But we want— it's we want to pray, doors. right? So, how should we be praying for meetings like this, where we feel kind of helpless and like we don't get a chance to get in the mix of them?
0: Pray for enlightenment. That's what I'm going to do. Pray that. Well, first of all, the, the fact that this is even happening, I think, is a great grace. But second of all, the you know, we want the Holy Spirit to guide what what they come up with because this is the these meetings are going to shape the future legislation so let's let's hope the holy spirit guides them in the right direction
2: well even saint paul in the new testament tells us that's how we should be praying for all of our leaders from the beginning right that the holy spirit will will guide them and uh help them to use their authority prudentially and morally so thank you so much father philip le and uh we'll try and pay attention and whenever anything comes out of this if we're confused by it We'll tap your wisdom again.
0: Okay. God bless you, Matt.
2: All right. And again, you can find Father Philip LeRae and all of our guests linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Again, that's Uh, Check out the projects that our guests are involved in. And also, while you're there, enter your email address and hit subscribe, and you'll get show notes delivered to your inbox every day, including prayers uh, that we pray at the top of the hour. So sunrisemorningshow.com. Head on over there. And click subscribe. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news.
3: Good morning. Pope Francis has offered his prayers as rescue efforts continue in Morocco days after a magnitude 6.8 earthquake rocked the North African country. During his Angelus address, Pope Francis said he was close to the dear Moroccan people and said, I thank the rescue workers and those who are seeking to alleviate people's suffering, saying, may the concrete aid of everyone sustain the people in this tragic moment. He also sent his prayers to those suffering from a cyclone that hit Brazil last week, leaving thousands homeless. Meanwhile, the rescue efforts are ongoing in Morocco. Mark Mayfield has the story.
4: More than 2,100 people are confirmed dead and the toll is expected to rise. Thousands were injured as the quake was the strongest to hit the nation in more than a century. Morocco's King Mohammed VI ordered mosques nationwide to hold funeral prayers on Sunday. Offers of assistance have been pouring in from around the world, including the U.S. Officials at the American Embassy in the Moroccan capital say that they're not aware of any American fatalities. I'm Mark Mayfield.
3: Families who lost loved ones in the 9/11, 9-11 terror attacks will be gathering at the World Trade Center Memorial in Manhattan for the 22nd anniversary of the attacks today. During a ceremony, the names of the nearly 3,000 victims will be read aloud. There will be moments of silence, bell tolls, and music as part of the ceremony. For the first time this year, there will be a tribute at the Memorial Glade after the ceremony to recognize people who, who have died from and are still experiencing illnesses due to the aftermath of the attacks. For the first time ever, an entire family was beatified together this past weekend. The Catholic News Agency reports the beatification ceremony for Jozef and Victoria Olma and their seven children took place yesterday in Poland. The Olma family, including a newborn baby, were murdered by the Nazis for hiding Jews in their home. Pope Francis recognized them all as martyrs in December, paving the way for them to be beatified yesterday. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis reflected on the Sunday Gospel and the importance of fraternal correction. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins has more.
14: Fraternal correction, said Pope Francis, is one of the highest expressions of love and also one of the most demanding. When a brother in faith commits a sin against you, When a brother in faith wrongs you, then you, without rancor, should help him by correcting him, he said. However, acknowledged the Holy Father, the first step we most often take is that of spreading gossip about a person instead of confronting them directly and privately. Such an attitude does not please God, he said, since gossip is a plague on the life of people and communities. Gossip, added the Pope, leads us to division, suffering, and scandal, and never helps improve or grow, but rather plunges us toward perdition and ruin. Pope Francis noted that Jesus offers us a better path when we have been injured by someone. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone, as Jesus said. The Pope urged Christians to speak to one another face to face in order to help the other person understand their fault. Do it for their own good, he said, overcoming shame and finding true courage, which is not to slander, but to tell them to their face with meekness and gentleness. If, after a private and frank conversation, the person does not mend their ways, we may look for help from others." And even if after these first two steps have been pursued and no change has taken place, then we may turn to the community, not to pillory or publicly shame the person, but to unite our efforts to help them change. In conclusion, Pope Francis invited us to consider our attitude toward those who wrong us, and he asked the Blessed Virgin Mary to help each of us seek the path of goodness in our relationship with others.
3: Hurricane Lee is growing larger. The National Hurricane Center says the Category 3 storm has maximum sustained winds of roughly 120 miles per hour as it moves northwest. Hazardous beach beach conditions are expected to spread through the western Atlantic during the week. The system could bring life-threatening surf and rip current conditions along much of the east coast. There were no coastal watches or warnings in effect as of late last night. That's the news. You're listening to The Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN Radio. It's 35 minutes
2: past the hour. It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee.
3: And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase.
2: While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store.
3: Find our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at
12: sonrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com.
6: This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. Let us always bless the feet of the Savior and say to him, My heart, O Lord, protests my fidelity, and my eyes seek your face. Let us keep our eyes on Jesus Christ to contemplate him, our whole heart intent on nothing less than to please him without limits. Be as far as possible, even-tempered, and so indicate your stable resolution to love God unreservedly. God wants to see us faithful in the small matters that he entrusts to us. This is far superior to our burning desire to do big things, which seldom come our way. For Sacred Heart Radio, I am Father Chris Armstrong.
3: It's 37 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on this September the 11th. Happy birthday to my baby sister, Jane. Father John Gavin joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is author of Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer. Father, welcome back. Thank you. So we are going to be unpacking paragraph 795 in the Catechism, and uh, we are in a section on the church, learning about the church under the uh, profession of faith. And um, this has a number of quotes in this paragraph, Mm -hmm. um, two of which come from church fathers, but there are also quotes from Aquinas and Joan of Arc. So here is paragraph 795. Christ and his church thus together make up the whole Christ, Christus totus. The church is one with Christ. The saints are acutely aware of this unity. So hear the quote from St. Augustine. Let us rejoice then and give thanks that we have become not only Christians, but Christ himself. Do you understand and grasp, brethren, God's grace towards us? Marvel and rejoice, we have become Christ. For if he is the head, we are the members. He and we together are the whole man. The fullness of Christ then is the head and the members. But what does head and members mean? Christ and the church. And then from Pope St. Gregory the Great, he says, Our Redeemer has shown himself to be one person, With the holy church, whom he has taken to himself. Then Aquinas, head and members form, as it were, one and the same mystical person. And then a reply of St. Joan of Arc to her judges sums up the faith of the holy doctors and the good sense of the believer. She says, About Christ and the church, I simply know they're just one thing and we shouldn't complicate the matter. (laughs) I just had to read that one from Joan of Arc. I love it. But we are going to be talking about uh, Augustine and and Pope St. Gregory the Great in our conversation. This is an incredible quote from St. Augustine. Where is it from?
15: So this quote comes from one of Augustine's sermons on the Gospel of John, and it's actually treating uh, in the sermon, uh, this particular one, number 21, uh, John 5, verse 20, where we hear, uh, for the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him that you may marvel. Mm. And the connection that Augustine makes there with the image of the church as the body of Christ is that uh, that union is so intimate with our Lord that all that the Son receives from the Father, he is in fact sharing with all the members, just as the head shares the gift of sight with the body, with all members of the body. Augustine builds that image. Uh, So Christ shares all that he receives from the Father, all the works of the Father, with us in that intimate union. So it's a wonderful way of commenting on that verse from John.
3: Yeah, it is. We have become Christ.
15: That is yes. The that they it also quotes there. You read the uh, the Latin uh, Christus totus. That is something that all Christ, all is Christ, and that's an. uh, Those are two words that Augustine uses often. It's such a wonderful image because, of course, uh, we we received that from Paul. And by the way, uh, not planned, but uh, today's first reading uh, for Mass is. Paul's uh, letter to the Colossians, and it's where Paul talks about uh, the, the building up uh, the church through the afflictions, his own afflictions, and the mm-hmm. church is the body of Christ. So we got a nice little comment. I might throw it into my homily today, things we're talking about. <laughs> you know, but, Father, uh, I, I'm so it,
3: glad that yeah. our segments help you in your ministry.
15: <laughs> I, I am very grateful, yeah. I have, a, I have a 1205 Mass here on campus today, so i will probably pull some of this in.
3: We'll love it. Love it. This but, is uh, yeah. But it's go a, on. Such
15: a wonderful image because it's the unity, but also the diversity of the members is what uh, Paul is talking about, and uh, the way we participate in the life of Christ.
3: And Pope Saint Gregory puts it rather tersely, but um, but gives us the exact same idea. Our Redeemer has shown Himself to be one person with the Holy Church, whom He has taken to Himself. Where does that quote come mm-hmm. from?
15: So that quote comes from a series of uh, reflections on the Book of Job, Moralia in Job, that uh, Pope Saint Gregory wrote. And uh, the connection that he makes here to the body of Christ is he's—it's actually from the preface, and he's talking about Job uh, and the sufferings of Job as being a type of Christ. Uh, the way in which Job suffers, uh, the patience. Uh, all pointing to, of course, our Lord's passion and the giving of his life for us on the cross. And Job can be a type of Christ, according to uh, Pope Gregory, because he is united to the body, right? Uh, and through the grace, you know, union with the body, uh, he is also in his life, when he's living out his life, he is able to point to the person of Christ, and this is something that Gregory emphasizes for us. As members of the body, uh, we are also, in the way we live out our Christian vocation, our, our bat, uh, baptismal grace, are always pointing to the head of the body, uh, that is, to, the, to, to Christ. Uh, so it's a, it's a wonderful connection that uh, Pope St. Gregory makes there for us.
3: You keep mentioning suffering, Father. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about that?
15: Sure. So the idea here, of course, is uh, our intimate union to our baptism with our Lord, that is, uh, the Body of Christ and the Church, means that we are also in following Him to experience what He uh, Himself experienced, right, and what, the way He shows us. And that is going to include, as we know, the Passion and the Cross, right? Uh, So that individually, but together as a Church, uh, we should not expect that we're going to avoid the Passion of the Cross in this union with Him, but rather uh, that is something gifted, because of course it is with Him in that union uh, that in sharing in the Passion of the Cross, we also come to share in the Resurrection, right? Uh, so th- again it comes back to that union but it's always how we come to participate in the life of Christ himself
3: and as you were mentioning too that doesn't take away from from the diversity of the church um we mm, we are mm. many parts in one body just to go hearken back to saint paul
15: mhm absolutely and that's the that's the beauty of the image right uh, Augustine, I, I mentioned earlier, uses that idea of sight, that the sight is the, in, in the head, but that sight is shared throughout all the individual members, so that each member may fulfill its, its mission, right, uh, from fingers to toes. Mm. And so it is in the life of the Church, every person is called uh, by Christ, uh, sent by Christ, and in that union uh, all our gifts come together To form the Church, but always infused with that grace from the Head, who is Christ.
3: And finally, why is this in the section of the Creed on the Holy Spirit?
15: So what we were looking at, uh, when we were looking at the Holy Spirit earlier, we saw how the Church is, of course, formed in that union through uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and we see that at Pentecost and what takes place there. uh, Individuals, from uh, the Apostles to Mary, right, uh are in that gift of the holy spirit brought uh, fully united with the lord and then come to speak with his voice
3: we've been talking to father john gavin and you can find his book mysteries of the lord's prayer linked at sunrisemorningshow.com father really appreciate it thank you so much
15: thank you for having me
3: you bet of course you can find all of our guests linked at SONRISEMORNINGSHOW.COM. Be sure to click the subscribe button so that you can get all of that information in your inbox every morning as we go on the air. And perhaps uh, also while you're there, download the Sunrise Morning Show app. You can listen live to all three hours of the show on your smartphone. 14 till now on the Sunrise Morning Show, Father Patrick Briscoe joins us next.
10: Support is from TBN weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at route60.movie. That's route60.movie.
2: Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available.
0: Why do we need to pray? We don't pray because God needs our prayers. We pray because we need God's grace. And every day when I face the day, I realize I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) And I need God to walk me through my day step by step, giving me the grace, the counsel, the love, the encouragement that enables me to glorify him in everything that I do
6: and become the person he wants me to be. Prayer is my lifeline.
2: This is Dr. David Anders. Are your friends or family discouraging you from becoming Catholic? We can help on Called to Communion this afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now back to the
14: Sunrise Morning Show.
2: 11 till here's Anna with headlines.
3: Pope Francis has offered his prayers as rescue efforts continue in Morocco days after a devastating earthquake rocked the North African country. Today is the 22nd anniversary of the 9-11 terror attacks. Families who lost loved ones that day are gathering again at the World Trade Center Memorial in Manhattan. And for the first time ever, an entire family, the Ulma family, was beatified together over the weekend. Next newscast in about 13-ish minutes from now as the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Patrick Briscoe, editor of Our Sunday Visitor. Good morning, Father.
16: Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me on.
3: Thanks for joining us. So new seminarians this year are in what is now known as the propedutic year. Did I pronounce that correctly? Can you explain what
16: this is? That's right, and if you spell it correctly, we'll give you a gold star.
3: <laughs> P-R-O-P-A-E-D-E-U-T-I-C.
16: Hey, excellent. There we go. Gold star.
3: Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> now tell us what this is.
16: So the propitutic year, in short, is a new prep year that's being added towards seminary. So I, I told a story in a recent column over at Our Sunny Visitor about a conversation I had a while back with a— a well-known philosophy professor, and I asked her, because she sees so many aspects of priestly formation, I asked her what what was the most um, concerning thing that she's witnessed, and she said, without hesitation, it was amazing how quickly she said this, I see little evidence that these men live rich, interior lives. Oh, wow. And that's an alarming comment. You know, it's, it's one woman, like I said, as some, but someone who's who's very accomplished and certainly knows the situation. Um, So for her to be concerned about the spiritual development in a a seminary uh, is remarkable, you know, we we need to take that to heart. So the propedeutic year is a a way of beginning to address some of the foundational pieces. You know, the the culture is so divergent from the culture that we need to be building in seminaries that men need a kind of detox before they come into formation. So even, even before they get into a regular seminary program, because the experiences that they've had, the challenges that they've borne are already so significant, they need, they need time to, to process and to cultivate some of, the, some of the basic virtues of Christian living, including build, building that habit of prayer first and foremost, but also thinking through basic human formation issues, you know, beginning to learn to live in community. Um, so, that, so that once they get to seminary, some of those basic skills are acquired and, and more natural for them.
3: How would you compare this to the, the novitiate year that you had as, as you were entering into the Dominican order?
16: Yeah, I think that's, that's a really interesting question. Because when I first was reading about the probateedic year, and it's been done in, in different dioceses um, in this country already, there were, there were kind of models for this program that had picked up, and it had been adopted by diocese in Europe. So I'd, I'd heard of it, um, and my, my initial reaction as a religious priest, as someone who went through a, a novitiate year, a kind of rigorous boot camp year before seminary, I thought this was great. And yeah. In fact, I thought it exactly what every priest needs. And, and and that year, that building of that, that strong fraternity and rich interior life um, that a lot of religious go to is, Go through rather is part of what people recognize as the difference between a, a religious priest and a diocesan priest. I think I think part of it is is due to this different mode of formation. So I have high hopes for what what this is going to accomplish for our men.
3: Well, can you talk a little bit more about why this is needed and and kind of the the practical. Aspect of of what's happening. So this is going on. This is every seminary in the country now that the the bishops have decided that this is going to be kind of a, a foundational year in any seminary.
16: Exactly, that's right. So this is a new year that is added on to the formation plan for every man who is becoming a priest in the United States.
3: Okay. Um,
16: so so this is added to the to the national standards basically for for formation for Catholic priests.
3: I'm curious of um, some practical things, like how much internet are they allowed to surf? Do they get to keep their smartphones? Um, I I think of a lot of the things that we need to detox ourselves, like we all need a detox from the culture is so centered on on technology primarily, Father. Um, Do you know, is there any kind of standard in that way?
16: Yeah, that's one of the most important aspects of the propedeutic year. So for me, uh, in, you know, my, I've been in religious life long enough now that I didn't actually have a smartphone before right. I entered the order. <laughs> sure. Um, but of course, all of these men do. So, so even, even with that, though, the, the internet was, was super prevalent, right? We used it, we used it for school. We had Wi Fi in our dorm rooms and all that, you know, so, this, mm-hmm. so that all existed. Um, but we still needed that, that kind of detox and innovation. Um, so in my novitiate, we didn't use the Internet at all, we had no personal cell phones um, at all, you know, for a year. So, so I, think, I think that was one of the most important aspects, and that is a huge part of what the Probe year Gear is asking. So it, so it limits a, a man's access to his phone, to the Internet, again, really to carve out that time to hear the voice of God. So that's going to look a little bit different in each place, but, but that's a fundamental principle. That, um, that men will, will step back from the constant barrage of our, of our media and smartphone culture um, and learn to hear the voice of God.
3: And so what do you think is the importance for us as the faithful for a priest to have this extra year to really focus on his interior life?
16: Yeah, I, so one of the things that I want to do in, in defending and in talking so positively about it is to help people understand— um, what this year is supposed to be, because it could look like they're not doing anything. You know, I think that's a risk. We say we need priests, we need to accelerate formation, we could cut down costs, if we remove this kind of year-long retreat. Um, and I think, I think that would be a grave risk, so we can support the financial needs of developing these new programs, because they're, they're what our men need, and this will help them be better priests.
3: You can read more about it. Father's got a column over at Our Sunday Visitor on this new propodutic year in seminaries across the country. Go to OurSundayVisitor.com and you can find Father Patrick's piece and everything that he's written over at OSB. Father, it was really good to talk to you. Thank you so much.
16: Hey, thanks for having me on. Have a great week.
3: You do the same. Thank you so much, Father. All right. We got another hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up for most of our affiliates here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, talking to Teresa Tamio, Brendan Hodge, Stephanie Mann, and a lot more. Hope you can stay with us.
0: A new day his word.
9: Let us pray the sunrise morning show.
2: We continue on this Monday, the eleventh of September. Uh, it's the anniversary of the attacks on our country, and we continue to pray for our dead in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God our Father, your power brings us to birth, your providence guides our lives, and by your command, we return to dust. Lord, those who die still live in your presence. Their lives change, but do not end. I pray and hope for my family, relatives, and friends, and for all the dead known to you alone. In company with Christ, who died and now lives, may they rejoice in your kingdom where all our tears are wiped away. Unite us together again in one family, to sing your praise forever and ever. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And may the souls of the faithful departed, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you're with us here on a Monday morning. I'm Matt Swaim, Anna Mitchell, Has News, Paul Lachman at the controls and up this hour. Teresa Tamio along from EWTN and Ave Maria Radio's Catholic Connection. I'm sure she has plenty of memories related to uh, what she was doing um, and how she was processing all the information 23 years ago, or 22 years ago, I should say, uh, when the September 11th attacks happened. Brendan Hodge is going to have more thoughts on classical education, and I know he's been leaning on Dorothy L. Sayers a lot for these segments. Stephanie Mann also along as well to discuss more English martyrs that every Catholic should know about. Right now, though, it is two minutes past the hour. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell.
3: Good morning. Pope Francis has offered his prayers as rescue efforts continue in Morocco after a magnitude 6.8 earthquake rocked the country earlier In the weekend, more than 2,100 people are confirmed dead and the toll is expected to continue to rise. Thousands were injured as well as the quake was the strongest to hit Morocco in more than a century. The country's King Mohammed VI ordered mosques nationwide to hold funeral prayers yesterday. Offers of assistance have been pouring in from around the world, including from the U.S. Officials at the American Embassy in the Moroccan capital say they're not aware of any American fatalities. During his Angeles address yesterday, Pope Francis said he was close to the dear Moroccan people. He said, I thank the rescue workers and those who are seeking to alleviate people's suffering. He said, may the concrete aid of everyone sustain the people in this tragic moment, end quote. The Holy Father also had prayers for those suffering from a cyclone that hit Brazil last week, leaving thousands homeless. Meanwhile, Hurricane Lee is growing larger. Mark Mayfield reports.
4: The National Hurricane Center says the Category 3 storm has maximum sustained winds of roughly 120 miles per hour as it moves northwest. Hazardous beach conditions are expected to spread throughout the western Atlantic during the week. The system could bring life-threatening surf and rip current conditions along much of the east coast. There were no coastal watches or warnings in effect as of late Sunday night. I'm Mark Mayfield.
3: Today is the 22nd anniversary of the 9 11 terror attacks. Families who lost loved ones that day will be gathering at the World Trade Center Memorial in Manhattan during a ceremony. Names of the nearly 3,000 victims killed will be read out loud, along with the tolling of bells and moments of silence. President Biden will mark the occasion in Alaska on his return home from the G20 summit in India and a subsequent visit to Vietnam. The president will meet with first responders and military members at Joint Base Elmendorf-Richardson in Anchorage. For the first time ever, an entire family was beatified together over the weekend. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellana-Luboff
5: reports. The Ulma family, whose beatification took place Sunday, has become a symbol of Poles who rescued Jews during World War II, according to Archbishop Stanislaw Gadacki. In an interview with Vatican Radio, the president of the Polish Bishops' Conference shared his thoughts on how the beatification strengthens Catholic-Jewish relations. Archbishop Gadecki explains that the Ulma family was executed by Nazi Germans on the 24th of March, 1944, for harboring Jews. Two parents and seven children were murdered, he said. This tragic event is now unprecedented in the history of the Church, since it is the first time an entire family is being beatified together. Discussing the significance of the Alma's beatification, Archbishop Gadecki highlighted the theme of human solidarity, emphasizing the willingness to help others, even when it involves risking our own lives. The president of the Polish bishops stressed that the Almas were aware of the risks that they were taking by hiding Jews. This family, he said, must have realized that even though they lived at some distance from the village, they put themselves in great danger from the Germans by sheltering several people in the attic of their home. The Archbishop said that the Elma children did not fully understand the situation and may have accidentally told the wrong people. The need to make larger food purchases at the store may have also drawn the interest of outsiders. He pointed out that other families also assisted, resulting in 21 survivors in the village, highlighting the solidarity of the community. Bishop Gadecki noted that the Almas' actions were rooted in their Christian love. Their actions also confirm, he said, their respect for every life from conception to natural death. They knew that every life must be protected, and they made at ultimate sacrifice for it. I'm Deborah Kessel, Anna Lubov. And moviegoers are taking up a new habit as The Nun
3: 2 topped this weekend's box office, the latest in the Warner Brothers Conjuring series took in an estimated $32.6 million in its opening weekend. Is this a horror film, Matt? The yes. Nun 2?
2: Yes, And N-U-N. The Nun. Interesting. So...
3: I know nothing about it. So. All
2: my uh, experiences with the Nuns have been, thankfully, rather joyful and non-horrible.
3: And not scary.
2: But, yeah. like, I don't know, man. I, uh... I don't know why they got to pick on nuns. I don't know either. It yeah, just seems know. horrible. Like, even just seeing the poster, I'm like, this looks terrible. Like, why would yeah. I put this in my brain?
3: Why would you want to do that?
2: Yeah. I have enough I stupid things in my brain. Brain? <laughs> don't think we'll be reviewing that one. <laughs> no.
3: No, I, I myself am not going to go see it. I got to admit.
2: Well, this time of year, they have all these like horrible-looking horror oh, movies. They run yes. like promos like, for them during NFL games and, and stuff, and yeah. you're like, that looks awful. Like, Why would I do that to myself?
3: I know, right?
2: Why? Know. Just watch Curse of the Were-Rabbit and be fine.
3: I know, right? Totally with you.
2: Wallace and totally Gromit. With you. Just watch Wallace and Gromit. Teresa Tamayo now joining us from EWTN and Avia Maria Radio's Catholic Connection. Teresa, how are you?
17: I'm well. How are you? And Yeah, I agree. I'm not going to go see that. I mean, just first of all, those horror things, you know, are very very demonic based and people say, "Oh, you know, movies are innocent but when you start opening yourself up to that, especially with such negative images of the religious. Why would you waste your money and support Hollywood in that way?"
2: Well, not generally good. speaking, Teresa, I stay away from like all the exorcism hype, even from people who are like, "Well, mm-hmm. we got to know. We got to know, you know, so we can be aware." I'm like, "I'm pretty aware that demons are terrible. So, I'm not going to yeah, I'm not going to exactly. attract any unnecessary attention." <laughs> so. Right. I totally but, agree. But, Teresa, today is uh, the uh, anniversary of the September 11th attacks. Yes. And uh, there are so many things to reflect upon. It's it, it, hard to believe. You know, I was trying to think about this. Paul Lockman and I were talking on the air. It's been 22 years. Uh, you know, when mm-hmm. I was a kid, I was trying to think, like, what would have happened 22 years before I was born and how would it have been talked about in my lifetime? It seems impossible. Like, the things that happened 22 years ago when I was a kid seemed like Centuries ago, and September eleventh still feels yeah. very close uh, I think it's you know partly mm-hmm. because of the media and how um advanced it was at the time relative to how advanced media was in the sixties you know the years before I was born, but it does still feel very close to me i don't know if it does to you
17: well, it does to me I remember it's one of those things where you remember where you were, and those of us old enough also to remember because I was a, a practically a baby when when uh, john kennedy uh, president Kennedy was shot but those are those moments that stick in your head. And I was actually on my way to give a talk to a women's group that morning. And I went ahead and gave it. I mean, they still wanted me to come. and So it was about the media. And so we focused that day on the importance of the media before the media obviously started to just, you know, run that close story in the ground. remember they asked them to stop some of the um, politicians at the networks to stop showing the planes going to the towers because children were having reoccurring nightmares and whatnot. But Yeah, I went and I gave a talk about about media, and we prayed quite a bit at that uh, that meeting. We went on with it, and I'll never forget that. We had a TV in there, and we were watching it while I was speaking. So it was a very, just it was such an eerie feeling. I think also for me, it it was very personal. I had a cousin who uh, actually was teaching nearby and was overcome by the fumes and everything and ran away from the building. And then, of course, when I was a child, going back to see my grandparents in Jersey City, my grandfather would take me down to the water and they lived right on the Hudson River, and I watched the World Trade Center go up. So that was a very big part of my life because we would go back to visit them quite frequently. So, yeah. Yeah, a day, gosh, 22 years ago. 22 years went by fast, though, I'll tell you.
2: It did indeed. You know, 2001, September 11th, uh, actually Sacred Heart Radio was in its first year of operation, and that night Mm. we scheduled a banquet, uh, kind of our first sort of event uh, to, to invite people in. You can bet that the the keynote address changed very rapidly (laughs) that day. Oh, yeah. I was in college, and I actually had golf class that morning. I was flipping through the channels, and I flipped past it a couple of times. We only had like four or five channels uh, in the dorms Mm -hmm. at Asbury, and I remember flipping past it a couple of times before I realized that what I was watching was actual real-time news. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And I had a sore throat, and I went over to – clinic walked across campus to the clinic and they were giving me like a strep test and they did it for me in the lobby of the, like the waiting room of the clinic. Cause everybody was gathered around watching and we were, that's where I was wow. when, when I saw the buildings fall. It was like a, just a surreal mm. moment, but I was in formation for media at the time. Uh, Teresa, that's like what I was going to school for. And just, yeah, I you know, these days we sort of take for granted that when you turn on Fox news or CNN or MSNBC or, Literally any channel, it feels like NFL Red Zone, what you've got is the hosts who are talking and they take up, you know, sort of, I don't know, the upper corner of the screen. And you've got a column down the side full of information. You've got like three crawlers mm-hmm. going with like info everywhere. It didn't used to be like that. It started being like that on September eleventh, two thousand and one, because mm-hmm. there was so much pouring in. Prior to that, I right. mean, you are looking at a face on a screen and maybe a lower third graphic, but it just—it's amazing to me how fast the information started pouring in, and it just never slowed down from there. In terms of right. like what gets presented to our senses when we turn on television or to look at uh, streams and feeds and, and YouTube.
17: There's an interesting story on, on the wire service that Annie and I used called Metrosource, and they were talking about the technology compared to, uh, to now and 22 years ago. And it really did start to change then. And if you think about it, even though it was 24-7, you know, round the clock news because it was such a major breaking story, they didn't have everything we have now. Well, we didn't even know, really know what a tweet was right back then, 22 years ago. And, and the different types of social media, some were available. But not all of it. But the way that we are twenty four seven, even more so than we were back in two thousand and one, it's incredible to think about. God forbid, um, if anything, you know, near that could happen again. Please God, no. But if it did, I wonder. I, I'm seeing the news coverage would be much different and much more expansive, if you can believe it. Think about it.
2: Well, I think part of it is because it happened here, right? It happened here in right. the United States and happened mm-hmm. in New York City, uh, kind of one of our most celebrated uh, cities. You know, I went on to. Gosh, I won't even start the controversy by saying which website I went on today. And I was like, my goodness, what happened in Morocco? I'm listening to Annie's news and the death and destruction the chaos. Mm -hmm. I pulled up the local news site, or not the local news site, the national cable news site, and it's political news, it's a celebrity wedding, it's like a couple of celebrity scandals, it's something about Putin, and I'm like... Where is the news about this thing that happened in Morocco where the scale of it I is I said like,
17: the same thing. I said and, the same thing when I was going pulling the news together today. Exactly. Right, but, mm-hmm. but,
2: but what it, what strikes me is that, you know, we have to be careful. You know, in September 11th, it was so easy to just get... Um, I don't know. Uh, look for the thing that would, you know, titillate us. Uh, that would, like, maybe get us more kind of, like, sucked into the story. Um, maybe has more emotional impact to it. And I think that that the way that we consume news um, as a result can be very dangerous because we can miss the things that are Mm -hmm. actually important. I think that, you know, maybe what happened in the newsroom, uh, the assignment desk at this particular place where I was looking was like, you know what, people don't really care about Morocco. People do care about this particular celebrity. Bump them up. (laughs) You know, like when Mm -hmm. we consume in a certain way, we drive that.
13: Right.
17: But I do think that that this is a story, and it's all over the Catholic websites, of course. Which, because I think of our focus on life, right? And every person is dignified, it made in the image and likeness of God. The Pope gave two statements. Actually, sent um, a note from the Vatican Secretary of State, Cardinal Carolyn, and then again yesterday, which Annie reported at the Angelus. He said it again and called for prayers for the for the victims, for the families, also for the rescue workers. And I think we need to do that. That's why. The discernment process when you do news is so important, and what you're going to put forward to people, because as you said, they will determine what they think is important, and then, then it feeds upon each other. The Internet picks it up, you know, with all the social media outlets, and then it just becomes a cycle.
2: Well, I hope we've built a good case for people to support what you're doing at Ave Maria Radio and uh, trying to get this right. And if our listeners want to help you out, if you could, briefly mention how they can do so.
17: Sure. Well, I would encourage everyone uh, to think about or check out your local Catholic radio station, whether it's Sacred Heart, whether it's Ave Maria, because right this time of year, many of the, the local affiliates are having their, their pledge drives, and we need their support, first and foremost, in prayer. But then secondly, whatever you can do for your local radio station, we'll be broadcasting Catholic Connection in the 9 a.m. each an hour as normal, but then right after that I'll be going back to our studios in Ann Arbor. and In the first hour of the show, which normally broadcasts to Michigan and then northern Ohio, in Toledo, which carries my programming, we'll be doing the local drive. So, you know, this week will be normal times for our program, but it's really important for local listeners to support local stations, especially for stations like you. For example, you have local interviews that we do, and so do we. We have several hours of local programming, which is really important to the community And so, again, AveMariaRadio.net is our website. But anyone who has a Catholic radio affiliate in their backyard, if they know of them, if they haven't supported them, I think sometimes people get busy, they forget, they don't intentionally ignore supporting it. And they forget, though, that we do need, first and foremost, again, prayers, but also whatever you can give financially makes a huge difference. So AveMariaRadio.net for us. And then, again, check out the local radio station in your backyard that may need your funding
2: of course, EWTN makes it all possible, and you can support them so that they can support us as well. So thank you so much, Teresa Tamio. Have a wonderful day. Okay, God bless. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Headlines next at 17 past.
8: The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage, sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation, will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, Resuscitation of the Rosary, a Fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and Mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org.
10: Support is from
8: TBN. Weaving its way through
10: the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. Host David Treatman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it in theaters September 18th and 19th. Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at route60.movie. That's route60.movie.
2: It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee.
3: And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase.
2: While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store.
3: Find our store and link to Mystic Monk coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com.
9: If you're currently an EWTN Media Missionary
5: or just interested in becoming one, we've got some great news. EWTN Media Missionaries has a new and improved website. EWTNMissionaries.com, designed with you in mind. Our new site is loaded with great features and it's easy to navigate. There are so many different ways that you can help EWTN. Join us in sharing the eternal word with the world. Visit EWTNMissionaries.com today.
2: 19 past, here's Anna with headlines.
3: Pope Francis has offered his prayers as rescue efforts continue in Morocco, days after a magnitude 6.8 earthquake rocked the country. Families who lost loved ones in the 9-11 terror attacks will be gathering at the World Trade Center Memorial in Manhattan for the 22nd anniversary today. And for the first time ever, an entire family was beatified together in Poland yesterday.
11: News
2: at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Ulma family, pray, pray for, for us. us. It's uh
3: Happy cool birthday story. to my sister Jane.
2: Happy birthday, Jane.
3: Happy birthday to my nephew Jack, actually. Brendan Hodges. Uh
2: oh, yeah. Son. Brandon Brendan's on here in just a minute. Yeah, in just a minute. Yeah. And you get your big feasts this weekend.
3: I am so pumped. Feast of the exaltation of the holy cross. Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows. Next week, we'll be celebrating the Feast of San Gennaro, Who's my boy? Of
2: course, and you've got all of
3: that working together. You and got so story many cool stories
2: Roma. related mm-hmm. to Saint Januarius. Yes, San Gennaro. Yeah. So yeah, September's lined up love, to be some, some love. Love the stuff. saints
3: of September, man. Saint John Chrysostom on Wednesday, which is Freddie's birthday. Yes. Can you believe four years ago, Freddie was not with us yet?
2: That's wild. <laughs>
3: We were talking about it this weekend we're like i don't know what life was like before freddie it's impossible to imagine
2: <laughs> life before freddie
3: i know uncle map
2: 21 past. new supplies for back to school so what do the parents get well we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee and the mystic monks of wyoming have a number of blends to choose from
3: and when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, SONRISEMORNINGSHOW.com, we earn a commission on whatever
2: you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our
3: store and link to Mystic Monk
12: Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com.
2: This past year has been a crazy
12: roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com.
9: A meditation and reflection of St. John Vianney. The Christian's treasure is not on earth, but in heaven. Our thoughts then ought to be directed to where our treasure is. This is the glorious duty of man, to pray and to love. Prayer is nothing else but union with God. In this intimate union, God and the soul are fused together like two bits of wax that no one can ever pull apart. Prayer never leaves us without sweetness. It is honey that flows into the soul and makes all things sweet. When we pray properly, sorrows disappear like snow before the sun. How often we come to church with no idea of what to do or what to ask for. And yet, whenever we go to any human being, we know well enough why we go. I often think that when we come to adore the Lord, we would receive everything we ask for if we would ask with living faith and with a pure heart. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Mark Watkins.
3: It's 23 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on a Monday morning. Brendan Hodge joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is Darwin from the Darwin Catholic blog. He's author of If You Can Get It from Ignatius Press and a contributing editor to The Pillar. Brendan, welcome back. Good morning. Uh, Before we get to classical education, can you tell me how old is Jack Hodge today?
18: uh jack lodge is 15 today
3: 15 wow like he wasn't even alive on september eleventh, two 2001 that's crazy that's mm. crazy to me well no please- no I,
18: none of the kids were we had just found out the day before that we were pregnant with our first child who's now 21.
3: wow That's crazy. Well, please wish Jack a very happy birthday from the Sunrise Morning Show family. When you get after you get off the line, don't tell him right now because we're
17: going to (laughs) talk. We're
3: going to talk about classical education today. Continuing to look at Dorothy L. Sayers' ideas on classical education, and last time we were looking specifically at literature and why it is foundational when it comes to the formation of a student. Today, we're going to be looking at History. So first of all, what are the building blocks of a ca- classical education in history?
18: So the, the building blocks that a, children learn, a child learns in the earliest stages are uh, a lot of the, the names, the dates, and the stories that kind of serve as the guideposts as you learn about history later in life. So a child might learn stories about Alexander the Great, about Julius Caesar, about William the Conqueror, about Christopher Columbus and George Washington, um, and they'd learn how these stories can fit together. So you might, for instance, learn that the Great Pyramids, when Alexander the Great saw them when he traveled to Egypt, were as old for him as Alexander the Great is for us, and so he mm. would start to get this sense of how time stretches out and how different things relate to each other
3: and how about when you talk about this in um you know like in a homeschooling setting like in in your home or in a, a catholic school for instance fitting in sort of the uh the providential history if you will
18: so the key thing that we learned here is that uh we worship a God who came to us in history. Uh, God is not some separate thing from history. It's not just a floating spirituality that's disconnected from the events of the world. And Jesus really is central to the way that we measure out time and Mm -hmm. uh, the changes that we've seen within the world. I mean, you see this kind of secular attempt to take Jesus out of history by talking about Before the Common Era and the Common Era instead of Before Christ and Anna Domine. Mm -hmm. But even when people do that with the dates, I think that they they fail to recognize not only that our numbering system centers on Christ, but also just the radical change in uh, world culture that you see with the entry of Christ into this world. I think one of the things that you start to learn as you study ancient history and as you study... The, the changes in cultures as Christianity entered into history is how radically different and in many ways radically alien the culture before Christ uh, was to, to our notions of morality and uh, and what the divine is how different the ancient notions of godhood were from what we would recognize as a god worth worshipping
3: absolutely so uh, looking at history as a subject how how the the you were just talking about the the building blocks learning the stories and the dates and things of that nature how does this end up being foundational for further studies later on
18: so It's really important to learn these milestones as you move into learning history in a more detailed fashion, because often I think the risk is that when we jump straight into teaching history, I mean, like, for instance, I have children in uh, traditional schools right now, so they've got history books. And so you'll study Ohio history in one year and U.S. history in another year and world history in another. And so you'll, you'll jump in and you'll learn these units which are focused on particular periods and particular places. But if you don't have this overall structure of how these different parts of the world fit together and how these different time periods fit together, it can actually become difficult in the child's mind to understand how these things relate to each other and the overall framework, the, the story of history that uh, all of these different events fit into. And at that point, you'll have kind of this disconnected idea where Julius Caesar was around at the same time as the building of the pyramids and the middle ages were really at the same time as columbus yeah. and uh people just they don't understand how these different pieces fit together and how one thing led to another it kind of becomes this jumble of little specialized pieces
3: yeah that's a really good point now i want to ask you about sort of modern culture today because uh we've seen any number of times now what like the tearing down of statues for instance i mean a lot of criticism of, of what you're describing here in, in classical education of history. The more woke among us would say that this is actually foundational in, in creating implicit bias in, in children. Other, others might not go that far necessarily, but would say that you know a lot of these stories we learn about of historic figures are just hagiography. Hey, so would you push back on that point, Brendan, or do you think they have a point?
18: Well, I think that it's one of those things that can be done either way. Uh, certainly, there are there are works out there that become kind of hagiographic, and I think that that's, that's a bad move because it gives us a incorrect view of historical figures. But I think it's entirely possible to study historical figures, even people who did very bad things as well as good ones, and recognize that fully rounded person rather than painting each person who did some evil things, like, say, Columbus, as just a complete villain with no redeeming qualities.
3: Yeah, it's a good way to put it. We've been talking to Brendan Hodge. You can find the Darwin Catholic blog linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Read more of his thoughts on this and many other things. Brendan, thank you. Thank you. All right, it's half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Pope Francis has offered his prayers as rescue efforts continue in Morocco days after a magnitude 6.8 earthquake rocked the North African country. He also sent his prayers to those suffering from a cyclone that hit Brazil last week, leaving thousands homeless. In his Angelus address, the Holy Father said he was close to the dear Moroccan people. He said, quote, I thank the rescue workers and those who are seeking to alleviate people's suffering, saying, May the concrete aid of everyone sustain the people in this tragic moment, end quote. Meanwhile, the rescue efforts are ongoing in Morocco. More from Mark Mayfield.
4: More than 2,100 people are confirmed dead and the toll is expected to rise. Thousands were injured as the quake was the strongest to hit the nation in more than a century. Morocco's King Mohammed VI ordered mosques nationwide to hold funeral prayers on Sunday. Offers of assistance have been pouring in from around the world, including the U.S., Officials at the American Embassy in the Moroccan capital say that they're not aware of any American fatalities. I'm Mark Mayfield.
3: Families who lost loved ones in the 9-11 terror attacks will be gathering at the World Trade Center Memorial in Manhattan for the 22nd anniversary of the attacks today. During a ceremony names of nearly 3,000 victims killed will be read aloud. There will be moments of silence, bell tolls, and music as part of the ceremony and for the first time this year There will be a tribute at the Memorial Glade after the ceremony to recognize those who have died from and are still experiencing illnesses tied to the aftermath of the 9-11 attacks. For the first time ever, an entire family was beatified together yesterday. The Catholic News Agency reports the the beatification ceremony for Joseph and Victoria Olma and their seven children took place yesterday in Poland. The Ulma family, including a newborn baby, were murdered by the Nazis for hiding Jews in their home. Pope Francis recognized them all as martyrs in December, paving the way for their beatification yesterday. During his Angelus Address Catechesis yesterday, Pope Francis reflected on the Sunday Gospel and the importance of fraternal correction. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports.
14: Fraternal correction, said Pope Francis, is one of the highest expressions of love and also one of the most demanding. When a brother in faith wrongs you, then you, without rancor, should help him by correcting him, he said. However, acknowledged the Holy Father, the first step we most often take is that of spreading gossip about a person instead of confronting them directly and privately. Such an attitude does not please God, he said, since gossip is a plague on the life of people and communities. Gossip, added the Pope, leads us to division, suffering and scandal and never helps improve or grow, but rather plunges us toward perdition and ruin. Pope Francis noted that Jesus offers us a better path when we have been injured by someone. (laughs) If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone, as Jesus said. The Pope urged Christians to speak to one another face to face in order to help the other person understand their fault. Do it for their own good, he said, overcoming shame and finding true courage, which is not to slander, but to tell them to their face with meekness and gentleness. If after a private and frank conversation the person does not mend their ways, we may look for help from others. And even if after these first two steps have been pursued and no change has taken place, then we may turn to the community, not to pillory or publicly shame the person, but to unite our efforts to help them change. In conclusion, Pope Francis invited us to consider our attitude toward those who wrong us. And he asked the Blessed Virgin Mary to help each of us seek the path of goodness in our relationship with others. I'm Devin Watkins.
3: Pennsylvania State Police are expanding their search for an escaped killer after new sightings. The head of the state police confirmed several sightings beyond the original search perimeter, along with releasing new images of a clean-shaven Danilo Cavacanti caught on doorbell cameras. Authorities also recovered a stolen white van, which the 34-year-old fugitive was believed to have been driving. Lieutenant Colonel George Bivens called it a minor setback, but he's confident Cavalcante will be captured. That's the news. It's 35 past
12: This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com.
2: Click the Mystic Monk link at SunriseMorningShow.com.
3: That's son The
11: Baltimore Catechism asks, What sins are we bound to confess? We are bound to confess all our mortal sins, but it is good also to confess our venial sins. Those great ones, perhaps, that are listed by our Lord, he says, fornication, lying, stealing, murder, theft. These are some of the mortal sins that we definitely need to confess, but also those little sins that we commit along the way. Those are good to confess too, such as saying something mean in the parking lot, such as being impatient with a family member, thinking a bad thought while you're sitting in mass. All these sorts of things perhaps may not lead us to hell, but certainly will slow us on our journey to heaven. And so this is why we must confess all of our great sins and it's good to confess our little sins because when we do, we will better be able to keep our faith until death. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan.
2: The Sunrise Morning Show continues on this Monday, September the 11th, uh, one of the few dates on the calendar where just by saying the name of the day, It evokes a whole bunch of memories for a whole lot of people. Anna Mitchell, I mentioned, and Teresa, Tommy, and I were talking earlier in the hour about where we were and uh, what was going on and what struck us uh, about those moments. I wonder where you were and what you were doing and what you thought when you first learned of the September 11th attacks back in 2001.
3: Well, I was a senior in high school, and let's see, I was in calculus class when a teacher at the end of the class told us that there was some kind of an attack on on the country in, in in New York and then went on to my economics class or no not economics, civics class next. And there my teacher turned on the TV and then the rest of the day was basically just watching the television at school and then coming home and finding my dad just kind of like staring at the TV. I mentioned today is my sister's birthday. And so um it was a very strange uh birthday night for her. She's actually now living in New York City and uh works with people who lost parents in the 9/11 attacks. I mean it, it brings a whole new um a whole new insight into the day having heard from her about these things because I didn't know anybody that was was really personally affected. I mean, we were all personally affected in in kind of a, you know, a disembodied kind of way, but people who actually lost family members, she knows these people and 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 so it's just it it just makes me I sit back and I think, "Oh, my experience of 9/11." No. No. Like there were there are nearly 3,000 people who died in, in the World Trade Center that day, those who died in Pennsylvania, those who died on Flight 93, those who died at the Pentagon. I mean, the, this day is, is to support them and to be yeah. with them in, in spirit, to be with them in prayer, uh, to sustain them as the body of Christ.
2: to put those numbers in perspective, the casualties from 9-11, that's uh, basically the same amount of people as have been reported dead so far in this Moroccan earthquake.
6: Yeah.
2: I mean, this is—what's wild to me is that, you know, there have been so many catastrophic events, so many horrific things that have happened um, throughout the world in so many ways. And and some of them grab our attention. Some of them pass almost unnoticed. uh, Mm -hmm. But this is— you know, these, this this happened on our soil, right? So yeah. we're obviously going to have that, that much deeper connection uh, with it. And, you know, I struggled a little bit because the Sunrise Morning Show started in September of 2007 yeah, uh, as a local Catholic radio show before um, going on as an EWTN syndicated show about a year and a half later. And one of the first things we had to figure out when we were putting it together, myself and Brian Patrick, uh, is— well, what are we going to do when about a week after being on the air, uh, we've got to mark September 11th uh, mm-hmm. because it was very fresh, right? Yeah. 2007 is not very not very, not very long off. after yeah. after 2001, and you know, a struggle for me was as the years went on. Uh, do we do because I mean, those first couple of years we did a basically the whole show was just interviewing people about September 11th and their experience and and you know priests and you know their. Uh, how what do you remember from those interviews?
3: I'm curious how you, like, do you remember any of those conversations? I mean, I know Brian was doing the interviews, but... Uh, sure, I was
2: booking them, Yeah, right? I mean, I was, <laughs> I was picking these people because I thought they had somebody, something to say about it. Sure. Um, I mean, I was selecting, you know, I, did, I do remember uh, trying to reach out to several priests and saying, hey, what did you say, mm. you know, at that daily mass that morning? Yeah. Um, what did you say at that noon mass that day? Uh, what things did What'd you do you to make sure your day? church was left unlocked? Uh, you know, pretty much twenty four seven for the next week, Yeah, because, um, because those a lot pews of that was were happening. Full. those churches were full. Were full. <clears throat> uh-huh. What did you see that first Sunday afterwards?
6: Yeah,
2: um, I do remember a lot of that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, I, I think we had some some military chaplains as well, and uh, some other other people of that of that ilk. Uh, you know what? what is interesting in that, and this is the one thing that I was thinking about this morning as we were preparing to do this show, and what we're going to say is I know tons and tons of people who their journey back to Christ or their journey toward the, the Catholic faith um, happened as a direct result of the things that they were thinking about and pondering in, mm. in, in light of the September 11th attacks. Uh, I got a friend, Zubair Simonson, who was a Muslim student at the University of Michigan heading to— um, to Farsi language class when he found out uh and it was you know him in a class full of muslims reacting and and he shares his experience of that story and and how it was a very you know big spiritual turning point for him like um what do i believe about god yeah right um i know Another guy, uh, Elvis Gutierrez, who wrote up his story for us, who was actually a second responder, as it were, at 9-11 because he had thrown out his back on September 11th and was off work that day. Well, he wasn't off work for very long, yeah. uh, right? It kind of didn't matter. Um, and how that was a real gut check for him. Like, what do I believe about about everything? And I've known countless others um, who have either written their stories or told them to me privately, told them to you privately, um, and, you know, I kind of, the, the thing that, that sticks in my mind is, you know, what did you, what kind of Christian were you on September 12th, 2001? Those of you who are alive and cognizant of what was happening.
14: Yeah.
2: I hope, I would hope that in the past 22 years you've matured a little bit, right? Uh, but in terms of like your absolute reliance on God, in terms of your just absolute clarity that you needed to depend upon God, that you did not know what the world was going to be like in the next 24 hours and that you were fully reliant upon God, fully open to him and his providence and his guidance. Um, can you put yourself back in that headspace? Because a lot of stuff has happened since. Um, a pandemic has happened, a few elections, papal and presidential And a lot of social media stuff, and it's a pretty distracting world. But I would just say, put yourself back in that space and think, what was it like when everything was up for grabs in an instant, and I knew the only thing I had and could count on was God? Like, what if you could think like that all the time? What if if you could think all the time, like, all I've got is the Eucharist and divine mercy? (laughs) What if you could think like that all the time? I just that's my challenge for the day.
3: Well, I mean it is a great challenge for for all of us to sit back and remember that this is a day that I mean for us as Americans really really hit us hard obviously that that this was it was that feeling. I mean like we we started off talking about where were you when when you found out, right? Because we all had that feeling, we knew we could feel in, in St. Paul when he talks about how we are the body of Christ and when one member suffers, we all suffer. And when one has success, we all rejoice. Well, we all felt that suffering. We felt that in a very real way, what St. Paul was saying in his letter. And, and I hope that we all will have that again. I mean, I think we we get those in in individual moments, but when we look at any tragedy that takes place, and when we look back at nine eleven, and know that there are people who still suffer today from it, whether they're suffering from illnesses I, I mentioned in the news that that this will be the first year that that they will pay tribute to those who died from illnesses from breathing in all of that all of that ash and smoke and debris and and chemicals that that came from the the collapse of the two towers um being united with them as the body of Christ being united with those who still mourn their loved ones who died that day and in the days following to remember that that we are suffering with them and and i have to sit back and think you know, the, some people will sit and, and point to something like the 9-11 terror attacks and say, where was God in that? You know, where was God? He wasn't there. And I beg to differ. I, I, I very much believe that, that on the other side of the veil, um, God willing, when we get to see it, all of the good that came out of that, because God works all things for good. We just heard that in the, the second reading, uh, what, a couple of weeks ago, I think, at Mass. God works all things for the good. And it's hard to sit back and look at something like 9-11 and, and believe that, but that is where our trust in the Lord comes in. And so that is the challenge that I would put out to folks, as we approach the Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross, as we approach the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows at the end of this week, that that we look at tragedy and and believe even more in a greater good that can come out of it.
2: Well, what does Joseph say to his brothers when they discover that this brother that they'd sold into slavery now holds their destiny <laughs> in the midst of a famine? Yeah. Um, he says to them, this is in Genesis chapter 50, What you intended against me for evil, God intended for good in order to accomplish a day like this. Well, what day is it? Like, what kinds of things have borne fruit in your life that are, if you look back, um, a part of a chain of events that, you know, of which 9-11 was a piece? Uh, There's a, it's hard to think of, hard to think of how you'd be who you are without having witnessed that, those of you who are old enough to remember it. Yeah. May the souls of the faithful departed, through the mercy of God, rest rest in in peace, peace, as we prayed at the beginning of this hour. Amen. Stephanie Mann joins us next. It's 14 Till.
12: We need your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Kowarski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30 plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound and pregnancy help babies lives are being saved the need still exists it really does and pro-life across america needs your help to donate please find us at prolifeacrossamerica.org
2: did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born
6: yep we all started small pro-life Across
2: America. The, people. the kids got new supplies for back-to-school so what do the parents get Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from.
3: And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, SONRISEMORNINGSHOW.COM, we earn a commission on whatever you buy.
2: You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store.
3: Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at SUNRISEMORNINGSHOW.COM.
0: Divine Intimacy Radio. When you engage with the wisdom of saints this way, it stokes the fires of God in our hearts encourages us, strengthens us, and gives us wisdom to deal with the difficulties of life. It also gives us wisdom that allows us to rise above all of the junk to live with joy and peace in the midst of even the most difficult circumstances.
12: Divine Intimacy Radio, Sunday, 6.30 a.m., 1.30 p.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio.
2: Sunrise Morning Show continues. We're joined now by Stephanie Mann from Supremacy and Survival. She's got an English Reformation-themed blog uh, that we've got linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Stephanie, good morning.
1: Good morning. Good morning, Matt. Sorry.
2: Oh, you're fine. Um, A little froggy. A little frog. uh, I tell tell you, this time of year, you know, everybody thinks spring allergies, but (laughs) I get so froggy this time of year. So we've talked a lot. Uh, Over the years about St. Thomas More, his connection to Henry VIII, and, you know, of course, John Fisher, uh, the bishop, the one bishop who would not go along with things. But uh, those were not the only people in Henry VIII's circle who he he lost patience with. And we're going to be talking about another person who he lost patience with today, right?
1: Yes, blessed Adrian Fortescue. I mean, I call him a friend of, of Henry VIII, but, you know, as Thomas More said, he, Henry VIII's friendship could end pretty abruptly. He once told his uh, son-in-law that uh, if if uh, his head, Thomas More's head, could win Henry a castle in France, his head would go <laughs> for the sake of the castle. And that's certainly, I think, what Adrian Fortescue felt, found out, too, He because he was... One of those who's very much held in honor by Henry VIII. He was uh, he served him in his uh, military campaigns. He uh, went to the the great field of the cloth of gold in in uh, France. Uh, he was a justice of the peace. Uh, he was even a, a gentleman of the king's privy chamber, which and uh, a privy chamber is. Uh, 16th century language for bathroom and uh, so he he was again a a great servant to Henry VIII and yet the way that uh, the biographers of him say this something changed I mean it's not clear that he actively opposed what Henry was doing he went to the wedding uh, Henry VIII's the coronation and wedding of uh, official wedding of Henry VIII and, and Anne Boleyn but then I guess it was clear that he wasn't as enthusiastic about what Henry VIII was doing. And he was imprisoned once. And then again, and then finally executed. And even the, his date of execution, isn't very clear. And, uh, the bio, again, the biographers note that it, 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 you know, he wasn't accused of not taking the oath. He wasn't, uh, tried. It was just a bill of um, parliament was passed that said that he'd been kind of generally seditious and, and, uh, um, uh, refused allegiance so you know not saying that he would actively opposed henry VIII. so but i think what was what uh, father uh henry sebastian bowden points out most and gives two pages to in his book are the maxims that this man had collected and written in his book of hours that i think guided him to finally making that decision or Doing something that indicated that he was opposed to Henry VIII, and his uh, kind of ability to accept the this turn in fortunes that he experienced.
2: You know, as you're saying this, I'm I can't help but think back to the movie Hook, uh, which is you know Dustin Hoffman as Captain Hook, uh, Robin Williams as, oh yeah as as yeah. Peter Pan and. And Captain Hook's given this rousing speech. He's like, I'm going to kill Peter Pan. You know, who killed that crocodile? Who stuffed him? You know, whatever. And who doubted me? And they all false sign. He's like, one of you doubted me. I think one of you doubted me. You. You didn't cheer as loud as the mm. others is kind of what happens, right? And it seems as though that maybe Adrian yeah. Fortescue yeah. kind of got caught in that, like, uh, one of you's not making the right kind of smile towards my situation, <laughs> right? I mean, it, it, it comes off that way when yeah, you tell it.
1: It does. Yeah, well, the, the because uh, being imprisoned twice, maybe he was questioned, he was uh, imprisoned in, in in 1534, the time when Henry is really moving into wanting oaths and wanting uh, uh, true allegiance. And so maybe there was some indication that he, again, that he wasn't as enthusiastic. It doesn't say that he actually refused the oath. He maybe even t- take took Henry VIII's oath it's not clear because if he w- hadn't taken the oath he would have been in the Tower of London with St. John Fisher and Thomas More and, and some of those others that uh, initially at least wouldn't take the oath of uh, first of of the, the succession and then of supremacy so yeah it is interesting but I think what, what I t- took from and the reason I think Father Henry Sebastian Bowden included all these maxims and uh, words. Yeah, that, I was going to ask that, you about uh, some of
2: those because you don't get Blessed a, Fortescue. Yeah, you don't become a canonized saint simply for being killed by Henry VIII, right? Uh, there has to be some kind of right. holiness and, yeah. and virtue there. I wonder, as we're, uh, you know, kind of winding things down, if you could share two, three, or four of, uh, of some sure. of these maxims of, of Blessed Adrian that we
1: have. Well, the first one is, Above all things, love God with all thy heart. Desire his honor more than the health of thine own soul. He's, he uh, says, go to confession. Uh, make sure that you, if you receive Holy Communion, with, uh, receive it with entire devotion. Pray often, resort to God every hour. Be pitiful to poor folk, help them to thy power. Be diligent in giving alms. And then he says, and pray continually to God that you may do what is his pleasure. And finally, I think the one that probably helped him most in those last days was in prosperity, be meek of heart and in adversity, patient.
2: Blessed Adrian Fortescue. I don't think
1: Fortescue. someone
2: becomes a, a yeah. martyr. Yeah. Pray uh, yeah, for us. That, indeed, pray for us. Uh, but you've got those maxims, which kind of compose a little bit of a rule of life for Blessed Adrian Fortescue. They're uh, yes. at supremacyandsurvival.blogspot.com, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks, Stephanie. Have a great day. Thank you. And we'll no talk shame. to the rest of you tomorrow. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.
17: Did you just receive a Sacred Heart Radio t-shirt?